Do you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a vitamin B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a solution for low B1, Zobria by O'Share Health. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells in your feet and legs to stop functioning properly. may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to reverse these symptoms. You can get Zobria now with new lower pricing, risk-free, by going to Z-O-B-R-I-A dot com or by calling 1-855-ZOBRIA-8. That's Zobria.com or 1-855-962-7428. Get 20% off the new lower price with coupon code Hoffman at checkout plus free shipping. Zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly rundown of all the important questions that you have for us. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. We encourage you to send questions, even though, yeah, Christmas holidays are looming, but uh, we're still working and uh, we're going to keep churning out podcasts pretty much till the end of the year. Today, I'm with Layla Mutin, who's our nutritionist in residence, and together we host Q&A with Layla, answering your questions. Radio program at AOL.com. Hi, Layla. How are you? Okay, Dr. Hoffman. How are you doing? Good. You know, just trying to, you know, keep uh, my head above ground and, uh, you know, hue to my routines during the tumultuous Christmas holidays. Yeah. You know, it's a little stressful. Uh, it's, uh, you know... Parties and all that stuff, and which is yeah, fun. Disordered eating a little bit. And, oh, that's all right. Yeah, tomorrow's cold, a new cold day. weather. Yeah, cold weather is it. But uh, you know, we know how to weather and power through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to questions, a couple of interesting stories. Uh, one has to do with a new survey. That shows, this is from Forbes magazine, you know, Forbes, a business magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they report, uh, actually, this is actually, it came up a couple of months ago already, uh, came to my attention recently. Children born during pandemic show lower cognitive scores. Uh, a new study presents the alarming finding that children born during the pandemic in the U.S. show reduced verbal motor and overall cognitive performance compared to children born pre-pandemic. Uh, they surveyed uh, young children uh, between three months to three years of age. Wow. And so they, they weren't born necessarily during the pandemic. Some they were born into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the scary part. Uh, you know, IQ. IQ is set up so that 100 is the average, right? Yeah. If you're above 100, you're a little above average. Yeah. If you're 100 and whatever, 40 or 160, you're a genius. If you're, you know, 70 or something, then you, uh, you know, developmentally, whatever, you know, I don't know what the latest PC term is, but, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, uh, intellectually disadvantaged or handicapped, whatever mm. is the term. Um, <laughs> check this out. <clears throat> the average, uh, is usually, 
uh, around 100. Yeah, again, I don't know how you accurately test a, uh, you know, know. A, 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 it's, you know, 12 month old for IQ, but they guys they use blocks and games and whatever. Right. They, they, you know, it's not like a, you know, a multiple choice you know, exactly. questionnaire. Uh, but so 100 is the, is the standard. Children enrolled in this study born during the pandemic, that number dropped to 78. Wow. Uh, yeah. They say that the first thousand days of, of a child's life are an important sensitive period of child development. Okay, so like maybe less people got outside, maybe the food was bad, maybe the masking itself may have uh, slowed children's, you know, ch- ch- when you look at a child, they stare at you intently. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and so while you're talking, it's like, why are you, you staring at me? Yeah. Because they, with their, you know, their big eyes and their mouth agape. Yeah. And they're just taking in the information mm-hmm. and some of its verbal information and some of its expressions. And we know that children have the ability to read expressions very early. Yes. So, um, who knows what exactly is they say? Isolation, lack of family support, care or lack of caregiver support, limited stimulation and uh, limited socialization. Uh, many infants have been derived of normal developmental experiences. So this is scary here. It is. Um, patients are stressed and frazzled, <laughs> and that interaction the child would normally get has decreased substantially. Okay, not good. Um, not good at all. Yeah, so, I mean, these are the col- collateral damage of the pandemic. And we have yet to see, years and decades later, the impact on these babies. Yep. These particular babies. Yep. It's, so... It's, we're gonna, are we gonna call it like, you know, that's like Gen X, the millennials, Gen Z, uh, COVID kids? COVID you know, kids. It's like whole generation. CK, COVID kids. Right? If I've coined a term, okay. Yeah. Y- y'all can use it. Sorry, I'm, I'm 36 now, but you know, I was a COVID kid. Can you imagine a conversation? Oh, well, I'm 42, but you know, I was a COVID kid, so I have this deficit. So, or this inability, or this, or disability, rather. On to um, one of my other favorite topics, which is sports. I'm an, a sports enthusiast. And, you know, you, it, living in New York, it, it's been kind of a drought. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I support the Yankees, and they always fade in the end. And the Mets are, you know, perennial disappointments. And, uh, you know, then there's and the, the football. And the Jets aren't losing. And the football is, like, abysmal. It's just yeah. abysmal, you know. Yeah. But basketball, there's a ray of hope. The Knicks oh, started off with a bang, but no. I'm, my team is is the Nets, and I have about as much affinity with Brooklyn They're as... They're in New Jersey, right? Yeah. It, no, they yeah. used to be. They moved they to Brooklyn. They used to be. They yeah, moved they to... Yeah. Oh. So they're the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. I used to be a New Jersey Nets fan, you know, when, uh, you know, Kidd was uh, a player there, uh. Jason Kidd, and, you know, that whole team. Uh, so uh, that was they were good. I I think they are quite won the championship, but they were always in the playoffs. Uh, now this team is really good. It's got uh, it's got um, you know really good uh, you know players. It's got Harden. Uh, and it's they've got, been winning. Uh, Kevin Durant. Uh-huh. And they used to have this. They, part of the triumvirate is they had Kyrie Irving. Well, Kyrie Irving, as you may have heard, I don't know. You don't follow the sports I don't media. Follow, nope. Is is out because he refuses to take the vaccine. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah. And I believe. He was on COVID protocol once, so he may, he probably has had COVID. He didn't want to take the vaccine. The vaccine's yeah. mandatory to play in sports arenas in New York. Uh, the Nets have said, you know, we're going to abide by the ruling, you know, to their dismay. Because this is a guy can, he could score like 50 points in a game. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing player, mm-hmm. but a very eccentric individual. Mm. And he has refused to take the vaccine. 
uh, and he's adamant about it. It turns out, and I didn't know this, that Kyrie Irving is a vegan. Oh. Which is interesting because to play basketball, like enormous tickers with enormous yeah. stamina and musculature, you have to be really strong. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would require a fair amount of protein and planning, right. and you can't go on a very skimpy diet and play basketball night in well, and Well, he's night certainly out. getting enough carbohydrates yes. for the energy yep. for yep. all of yep. that. So here's an interesting story that was in the Post uh, last week. Nets Kyrie Irving might be swayed to take plant-based COVID vaccine, which is in the works. <laughs> I did not know that. Plant-based jabs. So it, so it's kind of an intersection of, of a diet story is that, you know, a, 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 you know, for all you vegans out there, that you have your hero is that Kyrie Irving, a superb basketball player, is a vegan. I believe that uh, 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 Bill... Is that why he wouldn't take the jab? Because it wasn't plant-based. It's not clear. He's yeah. It's partially that he's a refusenik. You know, he doesn't want. You know, he doesn't want to go with the flow. He think he probably has already had COVID. He doesn't want to take it. Mm -hmm. Um, He he he's unpredictable and eccentric. Okay, (laughs) that's that's been demonstrated in a lot of different uh, realms of his public persona. Mm. Uh, So, but of interest is that first of all, how do you consider the COVID vaccine non-vegan? You know, is there meat in the vaccine or is it? There's albumin, right? Oh, there would have to be part of the substrate, some type of. Yeah, I, I, I don't even, protein. I don't even know how that works because. Would that not be an egg albumin like I, it I is don't, for many? I don't think so necessarily because mm. uh, a lot of, you know, the flu vaccine, people allergic to eggs it used to be that they, could, you know, had to be watch out for the flu vaccine. Mm. Anyway, uh, Irving, who is vegan, is unvaccinated. Uh, and has said somewhat cryptically that his decision has been what's best for me. So he can't play. And, he, you know, he's losing millions of dollars. He's not disclosed a specific reason concerning his hesitancy about the vaccine. He says it's not about being anti-vaxxer, being on one side or the other. It's just really about being true to what feels good for me. Uh, however, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> check this out. There are plant-based vaccines in the works. I mean, you know, another concern is like some of the research for the vaccines has involved placental tissue. Yes. Which may or may not have been harvested from abortions. Yes. And then that's created some. Uh, but, you know, I think that I'm not even entirely sure that that's true. That just is the basis for some people having a religious objection yeah. to the vaccine uh, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, a study being conducted in Japan, they're aiming to get approval of a plant-based vaccine by March of 2022. Did I clear what's going to be approved in the United States? So wow. It's, it's kind of an esoteric reason not to want to take the vaccine because mm-hmm. it's somehow animal-based. But, you know, RNA is, I mean, come on, is it, I mean, it's a virus. Is that, can vegans not eat things that have viruses in them? I'm not sure. Well, uh, th- and the coating not- of the vaccine, I don't think is yeah. albumin. I think it's like a, it's sort of like a liposomal in yeah. some ways. You yeah, know? well, we're already full of viruses and we're yeah. surrounded by viruses yeah. without getting into that discussion, yeah. which is a whole other right. ball of wax. But well, I mean, it's hard know, to avoid. I mean, if you eat a pickle, you're eating a bacteria. Yeah. You know, it's like, right? Yeah. Fermenting. Huh? And is that contrary to, 
I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, it, it's interesting, interesting that the Japanese developing a, ve- a vegan vaccine. Maybe that'll bring on another... Made from soy and hemp. Right. <laughs> yeah, a couple Take of... your soy vaccine. So a couple Take your of... soy jab. So a couple of other the hemp vaccine, jab or the soy jab? vegan vaccine-hesitant people will be won over by this. This is, That would really be a selling point How would you like vaccine. to take your jab, sir? Hemp or soy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway. or pea protein. Or yeah, pea, exactly. You know. Oh, you know, I tried some pea protein. I'm not a fan of pea protein. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. It's kind of little, however they refine it, it's a little gritty somehow. Oh. If I'm going to do uh, a smoothie, I like um, whey protein. Whey protein. Yeah. Good branch chain amino acids, too, yeah. in the whey protein. Well, glutathione support and yeah. so on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we digressed good. enough. Let's get to actual <laughs> questions. Well, actually, we have a comment from Dennis. Yeah. Uh, Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, in response to your remarks on mask wearing on the streets of New York City, I, for one, indeed have discovered that it tends to keep my face warm and I forget it's there. Just mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, and so that, look, that's a, a rationale. Yeah. Because um, I, I teed off against the... Uh, mistaken belief that uh, you need to wear masks outside in the cold in the wind. Yeah. Um, you know. It, uh, you know. As to that conference, I mean, look, you want to wear a mask and makes you feel secure. You know, fine, do it. This is America. Uh, you can wear what you want. Right. Uh, but in terms of the science, you know, I have to come down hard on the on the on the science side mm-hmm. and say that uh, for you can debate the efficacy of masks inside, and you know, perhaps they provide somewhat some. Minor degree of uh, protection. The N95s. Uh, right, well, the N95s are really out of the question for other than temporary use because you can't walk around with them. No, They're you very can't. You'll, you'll faint and uh, worse but if you faint in front of an oncoming outs- bus. You know, mostly on the outside, big study out of China. Uh, I think they looked at like uh, you know 11,000 cases of COVID and they found one possible transmission outside. But it's hard to pin down because people go inside and outside, so really hard to. to so they they, they concluded yeah. that out, outdoor transmission was not a big thing. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is uh, there's uh, what's very sterilizing against viruses that float in the air is ultraviolet, mm-hmm. and ultraviolet uh, in the summer it takes mere minutes for back. Uh, viruses that are in the air to be neutralized by ultraviolet. Yeah. But even in the winter, there's a little bit of that effect. But the other thing is in the winter, uh, it uh, externally, I mean, at least my experience in New York is that it's very windy and it can mm-hmm. easily blow away and disperse the particles that, you know, on a busy, say an example would be on a busy street corner, yes. you're standing and you're waiting for the light to change and people kind of keep coming up behind you and you're getting a little close and you're outside. Um that makes some people uncomfortable because it's it's not the six foot rule. Yeah. But you know, the wind is kind of churning and dispersing their exhalations, and it's unlikely that you will get what you uh, experience from another person. On the other hand, you know, people smoke cigarettes near me outside. Uh, I can smell it, I can and that smell suggests it. that their exhalations are coming in my direction. Absolutely. So um, even ten feet down the, I mean, if yeah. the wind is blowing, right, or in the right direction, or guess what, hmm. pot. I, oh, st- I'm really tired of getting off the subway and smelling skunk. Right. Really, this early in the morning, it's yeah. wake and bake yeah. for many people, I suppose. It's like, I mean, it's just to, to face the day, they got to smoke. Am I getting secondhand wake and bake from that? Yeah, well, you're getting what's called <laughs> secondary, like a contact high, you know. Oh, my goodness. Right. You know, but hey, yeah. a little THC, you know, could start your morning off right, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's, oh. Maybe that's why you're so jovial when by the time you oh, get here. Could be. You know, it's like you, I'm a morning person. Right. I'm just I love the morning. Yeah, I me just, too. Me too. I, really, I do. I do. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's take a moment to acknowledge one of our sponsors. Let's hear what they have to say. Does fatigue sometimes hold you back from doing the things you want to do? Studies show that your cellular health may start to decline as early as 25 years of age, increasing your fatigue. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with the only nutritional formula clinically proven to repair damaged cells and improve your body's natural energy production. It's NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics. NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it also reduces some of the side effects of aging. NT Factor is available in a variety of formulations tailored to your specific needs. I've been using NT Factor for years and prescribe it for my patients. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Plus, during the entire month of December, you can enjoy 20% off the entire line of NT Factor products. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com for 20% off site-wide during the entire month of December. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They, of course, are what helps to underwrite this enterprise, making it a free resource to you. So we thank them. And now back to our questions. Okay, we've got one from Carol. Now, Carol has pretty much written us a consult here, so I'm yeah. boiling it down to a nutshell. Right. If you could boil a nutshell. Anyway, <laughs> Carol says, long-time listener, enjoy your podcast and great information. Here's my question. I'm female, approaching 75 in a few weeks, 128 pounds, 5'7", in general good health. That sounds good. Bravo, Carol. Yeah, that's a good body yeah. proportion. I have Hashimoto's. I take levothyroxine. Right. I also take Lasartan because I have mild hypotension. I guess she means hypertension. Yeah, she's right. She does. It's a mistake. Yeah. Well, she's worried about her bone mineral density. Okay. And she's and her doctor, her endocrinologist, wants her to begin a treatment for osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. But you would suggest that Dr. Hoffman Ostera. Did she give any num- numbers of her bone density? Yeah, uh, a negative three point oh. Oh, that's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, look, when I saw that, 3. I said, 0. I'm not going to jump in on this one, one yeah. way or the other, you know, because I get mm-hmm. the questions too in advance. Um, because this, this is a bit of a judgment call because she has lost a f- significant amount of bone. Yeah. It's not critical. It's not like she's a China doll that's going to fracture at the slightest instigation. Well, here's something else. Yeah. 127 pounds. Yeah. You know, risk factor for osteoporosis for women yeah. is being less than 127 pounds. She's 5'7". Yeah. She's she's pretty tall. She's tall, yeah. yeah. So she's thin. It's a lot of seventy-five-year-olds. There are very few who are five-seven because people tend to That's shrink. True. That's true. Anyway, so uh, she I, might have been five-eight or five-nine. Yeah, or statuesque. Know? She's uh, wondering: Is she taking a huge risk and not starting meds? I, and I don't know. She start I, taking strontium. We don't of, know because it's a constant. That's that's how I really sit and deliberate with patients around issues like this. But yeah. I will say this: She has a risk factor, which is that she's on thyroid. And if you're on excessive thyroid, it can sometimes uh, accelerate your bone loss. So I would take a close look at that. Yeah. Um, however, knowing how conservative endocrinologists are, I doubt that she's ODing on right, thyroid medication. Right, especially at 75. Right. right. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, all those things you mentioned, austere and, you know, and, and, and uh, strontium. strontium, vitamin D, yeah. um, you know. Austera. 
Osteothera. Osteothera. Mm -hmm. They sound similar, but one is Osteothera and one is uh, mm -hmm. Ostera. Ostera is from hops. Uh, Osteothera is like calcium, magnesium, boron, Osteo, uh, I like the one with proflavone, too. Mm -hmm. Proflavone is mm -hmm. an additional beneficial ingredient. Olive leaf also, these are all good. I mean, we keep reiterating yeah. this. The question, I mean, I can, I can give you protocols till kingdom come. The question is, do they match your circumstances? Right. You know, uh, that requires a thorough assessment. caveat emptor. Results may vary. Uh, we have to, and sometimes, mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the most, the best medicine is medicine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I do say that some women and men, yeah. but usually women, require uh, medication for their more advanced osteoporosis. Yeah. Three is a threshold that makes me a little right. concerned. T-score of a negative three. Right, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And it's the T-score that's looked at, not the Z-scores, right? Well, the Z-score is interesting because... Uh, some people may have a lousy T-score, but they're old enough that that lousy T-score becomes near the average for their age. So the way it might work is that a uh, minus three T-score, which is compared, it's minus three standard deviations compared to 35-year-old women. Ah. Three standard deviations means you know probably like 98% of people have better bone densities. Mm -hmm. um, but... A Z-score Z score yeah. for a person like this might be a minus one and a half. Right. The minus 1.3 is her, her Z-score. Right, because she's 75. Score is because 75-year-olds comparatively have <laughs> relatively lower bone density. So she compared, yeah. she's one and a half uh, standard deviations below a 75-year-old, which is significant. But it's it still means that it's about, I don't know, uh, 80% instead of 98% yeah. um, have uh, better bone densities than her at 75. So that Interesting. I mean, it's an explanation. I mean, other yeah. factors are, you know, uh, I, we will, you know, just as we'll have better heart tests in the future, uh, we'll have better bone density tests because the bone density test, I think, is a little archaic. It looks at density rather than strength and flexibility. Exactly. And that's been the controversy and, in recent years is that is it a true measure of bone strength? Right, exactly. The bone mineral density. Exactly. So 10 years from now, this may no longer be a test right. that's being done. It no, may be something different. We based a whole industry, yeah. a pharmaceutical industry of A whole diagnosis. Diagnosis. And on this particular test. Technology and then diagnosis and then prescription. Yeah. Based on what is a somewhat shaky paradigm, which is their... You know, plenty of people, they're just like cholesterol. You know, we believe yeah. implicitly in cholesterol as the be-all and end-all of cardiovascular risk. We believe in the DEXA as the be-all and end-all of bone fracture risk. Yeah. And there's there's a uh, not a one-to-one -one relationship. There's That's an true. imperfect relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Carol, you need a consult. That would be the only way to... <laughs> To sounds answer a little, your questions sounds intelligently. Sounds but it yeah. does. But, right. but that's what it is. She sent so much information. You, but thank you, Carol, what for the thoughtful question. Like Madagascar or something. It's hard to get to New York City. Okay. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Oh, here's something interesting. This is from Jerry. Hello, Doctor Hoffman. After seeing a dermatologist that took a sample of growth on my scalp, which was previously removed 38 years ago, uh, I requested a lab report. May be consistent with low-grade sebaceous carcinoma. 
I've not heard of that entity. Yeah. And a question was asked. No, because uh, yeah. uh, it's sebaceous carcinoma. Yeah. Means that it's not a, ca- a usual cancer of the skin. Yeah. Because it's uh, the sebaceous it's gland. Sebaceous gland, which is the oily gland that secretes stuff that you know, it basically gives your hair like lanolin. You know, right. Like, right. Like, oily scalp. Yeah. All of that. So uh, I was if, if I was asked if I had a history of Muir Torre syndrome. M U I R dash. T-O-R-R-E uh, okay. syndrome. We're getting into the rarefied yeah. air here because that's an... Un- I mean, first of all, it's sebaceous cancer, kind of unusual. Muratori syndrome. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. You know. And Did my, you look it up? No. Okay. No, I, I didn't look it up, but uh, the dermatologist wants to... Was talking to him about Mohs surgery. Okay. And he would like not to... Uh, Oh, so this is yeah. one of these tell me it ain't so, Dr. Hoffman? Yeah, well, maybe, but, but Jerry also says thank you for the newsletter, the website, and I still have the autographed How to Talk to Your Doctor. Awesome. That's be great. Be well and stay safe. Yeah, thanks for placing your faith in me, but I, I got to say that this may be a situation where further investigation is warranted because, well, okay, what, what's Mohs surgery? Mohs surgery is a type of surgery that was pioneered by a guy named Mohs, I guess, M-O-H. M-O-H-S? Yeah. yeah. And it's instead of you know what they do sometimes when you have something suspicious they'll they'll snip it off with a scalpel or or they'll just you know hit it with like uh, you know like a they'll punch yeah a, well a punch biopsy or they'll sometimes take they'll just burn it off basically burn it off you know that's when they're not concerned about spread but a Mohs surgery is done under circumstances where you can take a small slice out of a, an area that is cancerous, potentially, and immediately uh, look at it in the microscope and assess whether you have what's called clean margins. Ah. So that the, the center may be the localized problem, and then you need clean margins. But, you know, it for sometimes cancers send their tentacles a little under the skin, and you don't want to leave a little residue. Yes. So you, you keep carving larger and larger excavation. circles and... Until you get what's called clean margins, I think that's basically it. Hmm. So um, yeah, so wow. there's uh, yeah. Well, his concern is I'm not sure I should be a candidate for the Mohs, thinking that any action may cause this carcinoma to spread. Well, no, I mean that's precisely the reason to, to do Mohs to do it, is, is to, to get rid of any right. Uh, and you know, there's this argument, you know, like uh, don't cut into cancer. Yeah. You know, so it could apply to any cancer. It could apply to breast cancer. It could apply to, you know, colon cancer. It could apply to any kind of cancer. Is does the act of surgery cause spread? And this has been intensively studied. And the answer is potentially yes. But I think the advantages of getting it all out yeah. outweigh the potential theoretical disadvantages of spreading it. Now, I don't know that this type of cancer, which I think is unusual, is a type of cancer that is likely to metastasize. Like, can right. you get... Uh, sebaceous carcinoma in your lungs and liver, mm-hmm. uh, or can it go to your brain? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. I mean, because it's such an unusual cancer. But yeah. maybe there's a, you know, real, um, you know, uh, very uh, astute yeah. oncologist or dermatologist who can uh, respond with an answer on this. There's another thing I have trouble with, Doctor Hoffman. The report stated that this may consistent may be consistent. It's the language that I, that's throwing doubt. Well, do you know what they say? Like the national whatever the national uh, flower of New Jersey is the sunflower. I'm making this up. Yeah. The national 
the national uh, uh, tree of the radiologist is the hedge. Ah. Because they hedge. They, they say hedge. it may, it could potentially, yeah. blah, blah, blah. May be consistent yeah. with a low-grade sebaceous carcinoma. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. They're just saying, look, don't sue me, because I'm telling you, you might. Because it might be not, this. It's probably not. But it might be, and if you leave it alone... Right, right, yeah. right, right. It's like a doctor calling every mole on your body a precancer. Yeah, potentially. Just calling it a yeah. precancer. Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes they're just so confident that there's 100% not. <laughs> so then the 100% not translates to, like, you know, observe it, right. recheck it later, blah, blah, blah. So that's why. You know. And I, I, have another, I have another question, though. Yeah. If, you know, coming back to the every mole may be a precancer, why are certain polyps... Not looked at like possibly polyps in the sinuses, but polyps anywhere else, the colon, the uterus, may be problematic and are looked at and gone well, it's, after. It's just a structure. A polyp is a structure. And yeah. you don't usually get cancer of the nose from a nasal polyp. You don't usually get cancer of the, uh, I mean, I guess you can have a, a stomach, but that's where the stomach, are going stomach esophagus, and so on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, in the intestine, the vast majority of polyps are benign, but occasionally yeah. they're precancerous or even cancerous, so they get, yeah. they, they snip them out. Yeah. I don't know. There's a little. I mean, look, it gives them something to do. It is there's an economic incentive, I, of course, to hunt these things down and sure. be extra careful. Um, most people will be fine without uh, frequent colonoscopies. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. All right. Let's uh, pause because we're going to flip it over to side two. And what can we anticipate in side two? Give us oh, a little more news about the vaccine. Vaccine. How, about the spike. In particular, impairs DNA damage repair. Are we still talking about COVID? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, okay. <laughs> let's do it. And we may be for years to come. In part two. All right. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.